You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. The 602 Club proudly presents Snyder Cuts, a Zack Snyder directorial podcast, and I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as he has been throughout this entire journey with Zack Snyder, John Mills. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back with a, I think this is a surprise episode of Snyder Cuts, I'd say, considering he has not directed anything since uh, Army of the Dead. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, there is there is no new secret edition of a Zack Snyder, you know, uh, movie or television show or something like that. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, the making of Army of the Dead book that has come out. And uh, we figured that would be kind of a a fun way to kind of keep the show alive a little bit here, especially... Uh, since, um, you know, we've got some things that are going to be coming out from Zach, um, with Netflix. He just signed a first look deal with Netflix for the next two years. He has a new movie that's going to be coming out for them, um, called, I think Rebel Moon, uh, based off of basically the Star Wars script that he had that they rejected from using. And just, he, uh, you yeah. know, can I, can I take a second here? Sure. Sure. Right. I, I think you should. The big claim of we want directors with singular vision and focus and appeal and have them tell their own star Wars stories and make them unique and different. And that was the big dream of Disney taking over and honestly having a sequel trilogy betrayed that idea in a sense, because you have to work within a framework there much better to have a a solo or even a rogue one because you're, freer to tell your own right. story yep. there the idea that not only they would have turned down his original idea for it but the fact that they would have turned it down and everybody seems to forget contract with josh trank and that didn't work out too well and supposedly have a project in the works with benioff and weiss from game of thrones fame and that's already not worked out too well you would think. I just I can't possibly be alone to read that. And regardless of what mm-hmm. your view is of Snyder's uh, superhero films or anything like that, it would have been intensely interesting to see him do a Star Wars movie. That would have oh, been sure. fascinating to see his style and his visual sensibilities worked into that, because I think also and we'll get to this when we're talking about the Army of the Dead making of book. He's very conscious of visual style and storytelling and i think he would have adapted and paid homage to what came before knowingly come before you know again and we'll we'll get into why i believe that when we start talking about the book so that's just my yeah, two no, cents. I, I, i'm glad that you brought that up because i do think it is something that's really interesting and and you know good on zach you know getting the deal with netflix and and they seem to be all on board with really allowing him to be able to do his thing and and not only that uh, but um, they they mentioned in the articles that had come out that he'll also be working on Army of the Dead 2. Uh, so we will yeah. be getting a sequel to that after he does Rebel Moon. Uh, and so 
you know, I just I think it's exciting. You know, obviously Netflix is putting its money down on creatives and letting them create. Um, you know, and in many ways, I, I think it's almost like uh, the American zoetrope of uh, you know the 21st century, where we're gonna let creatives come in and do their thing, and uh, it's slightly more successful though. Well. I yeah, <laughs> I yeah, drawing comparisons to American Zotrope, I don't know. I mean, Netflix is just in the position where it's very different from the movie studios mm-hmm. because Netflix exists in that all that they're they've ever been concerned about is growing their subscriber base. Period. Full stop. Right. And they don't have to retrofit their approach to anything. What I think is interesting is the that well, I mean, honestly. Given the financial troubles and multiple bankruptcies of American Zotrope and Francis Ford Coppola, and the fact that nobody can quite figure out how Netflix is going to handle its debt burden going forward, maybe the maybe the comparison maybe. to American Zotrope yeah. is it's accurate. True. So, and then yeah. Disney Plus buys Netflix, and we all start crying. Yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, well, so um, before we dive into talking about Army of the Dead. A film by Zack Snyder, the making of the film uh, by Paul Aparillo. Uh We do want to say thank you for joining us here. Uh, of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and you know if you uh, if you you're getting this f- from the Six Hundred Two Club feed, of course, because we're in the same feed. So just make sure you're subscribed, and you'll get all of the uh, episodes that come out to you from Snyder Cuts to the Six Hundred Two Club, and then you know John and I. We promised you we're working on a brand new show that's going to be coming out this fall, uh, Avengers Assembled, and that's going to be in this feed as well. So all of those things in one feed for you. So we're really trying to give you the best bang for your buck here, and it doesn't cost you anything. So just subscribe, and you'll get the episodes. Of course. You can also find us on Twitter. Follow us there at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. Of course, you can also make you can also find us on the Babel Conference, which is our listeners only discussion group there on Facebook. And of course, Trek.fm, where you can send us an email over at Trek.fm slash contact. And huge thank you. We got our associate producers through Patreon. They're making sure that all of the shows keep coming to you each and every week. And honestly, guys, we really could use your help. Uh, You know, we are actually kind of hemorrhaging when it comes to that. And so go to patreon.com slash trek.fm, see how you can be part of the team, and make sure that all of these great shows here on the network keep coming to you. And honestly, if you want other shows to be able to return the best way to do that is to help us be able to afford to keep doing this. And so, again, that's patreon.com slash trek.fm. So, uh, John, as you mentioned, this was a bit of a surprise that we're going to do in uh, this show. And, you know, I love making of books. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, as we're recording this, um, we'll be also doing an uh, aggressive negotiations there about uh, J.W. Rinsler and you know, one of my loves of making of books came from Star Wars, right? And and so it's it's kind of been a lost art to have this. And, and throughout the last few years, I've noticed, you know, that more and more books like this, they're kind of a mix of like art of and or making of books. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this one is a making of book, but it really is also featuring, I think, the wonderful photography of clay enyos 
and who's obviously worked with Zach a bunch. And I think putting those two things together really made this a fun book to be able to read and get some background information of the film, but also kind of get that background of seeing what it was like behind the scenes to make this film. I agree. I think that it definitely leans very heavily toward the art of feeling. I think that it's great that it does as much explanation of the back as possible and getting those sorts of things out there. But the photography is really arresting at certain points. Uh, And the reason I say it feels like it leans more towards art of is there's a very positive and uh, a very positive bend to it. Like I'm, I'm struggling for the word specifically because I grew accustomed to, and my gold standard will always be how open George Lucas was during like the prequels sure. and, and those sorts of things where it's, you got a warts and all sort of process of, Oh, we, well, and you found out day by day where it's like, Oh, we have to fix that mm-hmm. in post. We messed something up. Oh wait, where were you holding that in the last thing? How are we going to reshoot this? Whereas this is much more of a, this is somebody embedded who's sympathetic to the production. Sure. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that makes it feel more like an art of Mm -hmm. with supplemental material, which is fine because that's sort of what I expect in a book with a format like this. Because if you're going to have a large format book like this, I expect a lot of art and photography in it because it's a coffee table book. It's something I... I'm going to pick up and leaf through and I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily going to read the the story of how they shot a certain scene over and over, but I will flip through and look at the photographs of Snyder holding the camera mm-hmm. on set and stuff like that, because that's just neat to look at. No, I agree with you. And, and I think one of the things that was really nice is to get a little bit of background information as to the thought process as to the film itself. And I thought what was really interesting is, you know, Getting into some of the thematic elements and what Zach was kind of thinking of as they were making this film uh, when it came to, uh, you know, just the setup of, you know, having the president, you know, wanting to to bomb uh, this this Vegas um, and the idea of the camp, you know. And, you know, what it kind of represents or or represented in his mind, you know, in in many ways when we look at all of the refugee camps around the world um, and the way in which, you know, uh, many people just get forgotten in those type of places. And, you know, I thought what was interesting, though, is that this is one of those places where as I'm reading what Zach had in mind, I, I think in many ways, you know, unintentionally, it 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 ended up having other connotations to it because of what we had all been through uh, as this movie was probably in post-production, you know? Um, And so, you know, everything we went through uh, in the COVID era, I think really kind of changes some of, of what they were going for. They would never know that. Right. So it's already one of those things where we've talked about how Zach's movies have the ability to have different reads at different times, you know, and can either get stronger or, or uh, and and many times we talked about how the thematic elements felt stronger than maybe even when it first came out. This is one of those movies where you already saw that. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, I I did I did like the focus on that and a couple of other things because of the fact, and this is an argument that I have with one friend in particular, but 
other friends along the way where even if you don't like a movie, there's a tremendous amount of thoughtfulness that goes into it. Sure. And I appreciate any opportunity because I know how thoughtful Zack Snyder is as a creative person and the people that are around him, how thoughtful they are as well. And so getting the opportunity to have their own words about how much thought they put into it, Mm -hmm. why the refugee camp looked the way that it did. And the fact that they did research and they had discussions and they said, well, you know, when you look at these camps, it's sort of a, you know, a, a, a sort of city of its own springs up and you have these sorts of social dynamics that spring up any anywhere humans come together in a large group. And so there is a thoughtfulness there. But also the the thoughtfulness extending to the fact that if I wanted to create a zombie horse. I or not me in specific, but most people creating a zombie horse would say, just ride the horse and we'll paint it on there. And the fact that they found a way to put basically a costume on the horse to make it look the way that it did really spoke to the commitment to making it as believable as possible so that when you looked at it, there's a reason that horse looks so good on screen. And the fact that they conversed with veterinarians and other people who had experience with this sort of thing as to what flesh looks like when it decays to a certain point. And so that would have to be reflected on the horse and the horse's skin and and its textures. And also the, with you know, the the very famous tiger that they have, the fact that they put a detail on there where they said, oh, well, we made it so that you could tell that she'd been bitten by the alpha. And that right. wasn't, I didn't see that bite. So now I actually, like I read that and I think to myself, oh, you know, I could, I could stand to watch it again. Just look for that detail, you know, just like, just to look for it on the tiger. Cause they just told me, Hey, look for this. It's a little Easter egg in there. It's like, Oh, I hadn't thought about mm-hmm. that. Okay. But what what I found interesting, and I want to I, I want to bounce this off of you, is what famously got called out in the uh, that that screen rant pitch meeting video about the robot zombies, quote unquote, the one the there were like two of them that had like a glowing blue eye or something like that, and it's it's interesting that that wasn't spoken to. I wonder if that's a decision because that's going to play into where they're going to go with it in the sequel, and so they decided not to talk about certain elements like that. Yeah, because, you know, it is one of those things where this book does talk about the idea and the background. They actually kind of lay out specifically where this zombie comes from, Mm -hmm. that the original Alpha Zeus was an experiment. Right. At Area 51, which leads you to believe that, and they don't go into full detail, but this is an experiment. This is a human experiment. So... We are kind of at the very classic, like, humans tampering with, the, with you know, humans trying to create, you know, genetically altered humans, possibly with alien DNA, and this is what we get as a result. And, you know, I really liked that because, I, you know, and we talked about when we talked about the film, but here I think 
this gives weight to seeing the fact that Zack didn't just want to make another zombie movie. He also wanted to expand the genre, to grow the genre, to push it forward. And that in everything that he does as a filmmaker is to take a genre and say, okay, how do I push that forward? Which we saw specifically. I mean, one of the ways in which I really think the film shows us Zack Snyder is the way in which, you know, he made Watchmen, right? Which made him then, when he's making Man of Steel and then BVS, how do I push the superhero genre forward? Especially when I've seen it deconstructed. So if I'm going to construct something then, how do I push that forward? And and then he comes back and now he's back at his roots with the, you know, Attack of the with Army of the Dead. And what do we get? We are pushing the genre forward to 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 grow it, to make it something different, um, and so and and to play around with it and have fun with it too, you know. And so I think that's the thing that um, this book really helped me appreciate even more. Is that you were talking about earlier? There's so much thought that goes into every single detail that's in every film, right? Nobody's just slapping something up there. Because they're slapping something up there. No, you're thinking through every single detail because you're spending too much money to not do so. And because you can tell they really care. I will say that we will take a moment to acknowledge the fact that there are movies out there where they don't put that much thought into it. But those movies tend to wind up as riff track specials on Amazon Prime. This so is true. Let's just this is let's, true. Let's throw that out there that we do acknowledge that there are movies that that there is very little thought put behind. But we're saying the majority of them, even the ones you dislike, this, somebody behind the screen was. I, I always um, I always think of William Shatner in the book Star Trek Movie Memories, talking about the fact that when Star Trek five started getting savaged by the critics, he said, I could see what they were saying, but still it was my 70 millimeter baby up there. And I guess, you know, and he basically said, I guess I just didn't see it the same way that they did. And it's like, you can't help, but take a comment like that and think what we always all get back to, which is one, when you're making your comments, there's a person on the receiving end of them. And two, Zack Snyder somehow people feel free to still trash talk him that way, which makes no sense. I mean, even if you don't like his movies, why why are you talking about him that way? But mm-hmm. all that to to let, let me steer the ship back here. Um, as as we're talking about you know the different levels of thoughtfulness and and all of this uh, sort of thing that's in there, what I found incredibly interesting was the fact that they it gives some extra depth to the zombie society that's there and Mm -hmm. which, you know, you can piece together from the film that there, that there's an alpha structure, that there's a, uh, I'm presuming anybody listening to us talk about this book has seen the film. So, you know, the fact that they're now at the stage of procreating, which is really pushing the genre in a different direction and everything like that. And, um, So we have all of these things pushing, but then his decision to use digital to shoot the, the, the film and then attach these old lenses for this shallow depth. It's obvious that he was visually intrigued by it, but 
do you think that they spent enough time on that technical aspect of it? Or do you think that they should have spent a little bit more time talking about the camera? Because I was really fascinated by that part. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just I was so fascinated by it that I blew through it. Mm -hmm. But it felt like I wanted more detail about it. No, I think you're absolutely right. I I think if there's one criticism that I did have of this book was that I would have loved to have had a larger section on some of those technical details because they were so important to the film and to Zack Snyder himself. You know, Zack Snyder was very specific as to using these lenses, why he wanted to use these lenses, the idea of of, of creating uh, this film and, and really just very experimentally. Right. You know, and, and, and almost felt as though, you know, George Lucas always talked about filming those experimental films in his backyard. Right. Like, this felt like Zack Snyder basically doing that. He he just wanted to experience and ex- and and work with something in a and somebody just gave him money to do that. And I think that's yeah. really cool and and it it's one of those things where that's what it means to be an artist. You know, and to truly kind of push the medium. And so, you know, Zach isn't just trying to push the medium of of zombie films here, but he's just pushing the medium of film, of of playing with lenses and, and looks and feels with things that nobody else is doing. And he's doing it with digital cameras, which are the cutting edge of filmmaking, right? And so I think th- that's really interesting. And in fact, you know, when they sent him the camera, you know, Red sent him the camera, he really had no interest in in it at all. He was very much like Nolan. He was he was sold out to film, and by playing with the camera and seeing what it could do, like he's just playing with it in his backyard and stuff. Like he kind of fell in love with the technology, and then he was like, "Well, let's try mixing old with new and see what happens." And you know, that's an exciting prospect. And I think to me, you know, I, I know it didn't quite work as well for you, but it's one of the things I loved about the film. I thought it turned out really beautifully to have that juxtaposition of this softness with this terribly hard and awful subject matter of like zombies ripping people apart and stuff. Yeah, I I, I mean, it, it definitely gives it. You know, I, I don't want to re-prosecute the argument of, you know, not not even an argument. But just sort of that discussion about about the visual style and everything. But like it with with a making of book. Yeah, I think we agree. It would have been nicer to talk more about that technical stuff. But I also would have loved to know a little bit more about post-production, about the sound Mm -hmm. mixing choices, about the editing, about what that was like. I mean, when I see the words making of again, and this is because my gold standard, my adjustment point is Lucas. And what Lucasfilm did throughout the, you know, the 1990s and the 2000s and up until the Disney purchase, like they were cards on the table. Right. Everything's out there. And I I even think of the documentaries. Now, obviously, the book is different than a documentary sort of thing. But I want that sort of nitty gritty detail about how the, the sound mixer and the editor aren't agreeing about what it should be in that moment. And the director has to sit there and say, Hey, look guys, fine. I'm, I'm citing this way. Cause it's my movie. And this is what I think is right. And, you know, like in having those sort of spirited conversations. And I think it works against the book in the sense that it makes it seem too much like a press release than an investigative work. I want it to be an investigative work. I want somebody to come at it as if they're a neutral third party and they're, 
they're going back through the history of things. And I want to ask you about this too, was I didn't expect this in the book necessarily, but uh, I, I mean, I still would have been very interested for them to at least address the fact that Tignataro was a replacement and shot digitally. They talk about her and the character she plays, but they don't talk about the fact that we all know that she's pure reshoots to replace somebody they decided to remove from the film. And it's, it would have been nice to address that. I understand why they didn't. Do you think that's just a third rail they couldn't touch? Or do you think that it's just the wise decision because of X, Y, and Z? What, how do you feel about it? See, this is where I, I think you're right on target again here in that everybody knows what happened. You know, uh, now when I watched the film, if you remember, I didn't realize that, you know, because I hadn't been behind the scenes. But I think now that the film's been out, most people kind of realize that. I, I think, you know, talking about it from the standpoint of what it's like to do that is actually a really interesting conversation because, you know, that's something that's happened a couple of times now, right? You know, yeah. I mean, happened to Spacey's get, getting replaced, you know, in that, that film that came out. They, re- yeah. they replaced him in that. So they had to do the, the same thing. Um, this is even more complicated because she's in some action shots. And, you know, so I would have been really interested to just hear from it from like that technical type of aspect of what it's like to to do that in a movie and i mean you don't have to go into the details of all right. the stuff but i i still think there's merit and 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 that's where i think you rightly pointed out this is a place where you could push the book a little bit to make it feel not just like a raw raw for the movie which neither of us has a problem with but just give us more depth. Uh, and, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with having just a little bit more depth. So, Right. I think you hit the nail on the head. At least talk about the technical challenge of you don't say what you don't even have to say directly. But it's like Nataro actually wasn't on set. So they had to go back. And it was fortunate that Zack Snyder was uh, DP on his own movie because he knew exactly the shots in his head that he was going to need to get. And he could convey that to her very easily. You know, like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's my own. That's just my own take uh, on it. But, you know, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm just, you know, bashing on the book because, again, I enjoyed the book a, a great deal. Um, what do you think was the greatest strength of the book aside from the photography? Because uh, I think we both agree the photography was was something special. I think just giving us that background on the zombie thought process, you know, mm. obviously this movie is one to which we're we're pushing those boundaries again and kind of trying to grow the genre in some ways as, you know, what's acceptable in a zombie film. We're pushing that Overton window of zombies. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, that was really interesting just to hear what they had to say about that, the little bit of information that they did give us, which I thought was a lot more than I was going to get in the book. So I think that was the thing I liked the most. I, I did like I did really like the confirmation that uh, Zeus was patient zero with zombie movies. You very rarely get the patient zero. It's always, oh, it came from somewhere. And he actually gave us the zombie origin movie. And that's unique 
because you you look at uh, his remake of Dawn of the Dead. If even if you go back to the original Night of the Living Dead, there's just a zombie walking across. Is that where was that zombie bitten? Where but you hear reports that there are zombies everywhere coming up. So is there a patient zero somewhere out there? And with this, knowing that Zeus is, I, I don't know. I thought I think that's I think that works in its favor too. I liked having that confirmed. Uh, for now <laughs> they could always change it with the sequel or the prequel or anything like that um uh, or at least see who the first experiments were etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh you know and also i mean just the fact that just to to get back to you know your idea of how it talks about snyder pushing the genre i think this really is the first time i've seen any sort of actual zombie society, functioning zombie society, mm-hmm. if you will, they made an attempt at it with the with the Omega Man and I Am Legend, but it was very loose. I mean, the Omega Man, I guess, was a functioning zombie society, but they weren't really zombies in the sense that you know we would think of them, sort of thing. Right. So just to go for that sort of savage zombie thing. And the fact that they're the type of bite you get determines the type of zombie you become. And then that pool being that spot where it wasn't just a feeding frenzy. It was, they basically held a trial, if you will, Mm -hmm. are you worthy of becoming one of us? And you, you think you put that thought process in there and you think Zeus recognizes himself as, the next stage of evolution as a step up. Mm-hmm. We look at him as a step back in a sense, more animalistic, but Zeus obviously looks at himself as a King. And that's, right. that's really interesting. And the fact, and I know I'm sort of rambling, but I really like the fact that in the book, they said that these zombies could have climbed out of there if they wanted to, right? They just didn't want to. And that, that opens up a whole host of questions mm-hmm. about, that that sort of thing. Why were they content? Why were they perfectly content just to sit there and have that be the case, which I think is fascinating yep. in and of itself. No, absolutely. I think that's the thing that the book really did that and it made every thought process behind the idea of the zombies come to life in a really cool way. And I, I think I would say that the best thing about the book really is that it made me want to watch the movie again. I agree. I, I, I do want to watch it. I, you know, I talked about that when I mentioned that they're looking for the bite mark, but I legitimately want to sit down and watch the movie again. This added to my enjoyment of the movie. This is the type of thing where I read the making of book and I go, Oh yeah, well I kind of got that, but you know, that is true. That is pretty neat. Mm -hmm. That is pretty cool. And so, and I was entertained the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I could see myself going back and rewatching it now because I so mission accomplished with the book, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't I, to me that kind of raises a question then is to if you had to give this a rating, what would you give it? Probably the same as I gave the movie, uh, which is three and a half. But the photography really is so superb that I didn't mind the fact that Goodreads boxes me in with no half stars. And so I rounded up to a four. Nice. And I, I think, I think it deserves the four. This is a good mm-hmm. book. And even if you haven't seen the movie, 
I think the photography, I, I, again, I think I could give this book to somebody, they would read it and they would say, oh yeah, maybe I will watch that. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, I rated this the same way that I did the the movie, which was, was four stars. And, and because, you know, as we talked about with the movie, there are a few things that I might've like done here and there, but on a whole, I really enjoyed it. And Again, to have a making of book that makes me appreciate the movie more, it makes me appreciate the thought process behind the movie more, and then makes me want to go back and watch the movie, I think that's really strong. And so, uh, yeah, I think we're both recommending that you go pick this up and, and uh, take a look at it and and then enjoy, you know, watching army of the dead again so uh john though if people want to catch up with you and just see what else you've got going on these days where can they find you look for kessel junkie online k-e-s-s-e-l-j-u-n-k-i-e uh letterbox is probably the most fun you can find me out there on your social network of choice including twitter the cesspool i can't swim out of for some reason uh, you can also find me over on the nerd party network co-hosting a show called house lights where we look at the works of directors from beginning to present day or finish if they've passed. And uh, you can also find me co-hosting a Star Wars podcast called Aggressive Negotiations over on the Nerd Party with you, Matthew Rushing. That's right. So I hope that uh, people will check that out. Of course, here on the network, I'm doing uh, the 602 Club, which is our main feed show where you found this. And so I hope you will uh, check that out. And of course, you're subscribed and listen to all the episodes there. You could find me doing Literary Treks in the Orb with Chris Jones. We talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine on the Orb. And Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Uh, on social media, look for Matt Rushing Zero Two. If I'm there, you'll find me. Uh, so please follow me and interact with me. I love to to meet you. Uh, and then, of course, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network. I have a show that I finished over there called Owl Post. I did that with Drea Kaufman, and we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us. This is Snyder Cuts. Snyder Cuts.